0: Good morning. How you guys doing? Wow, I don't think there's a seat to be had. Um, Let's do something real quick. Um, Close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want to take a moment, and I actually want you to actually ask God for something for you personally. I want you this morning to ask God to give you strength. And then, as you ask God to give you strength, I want you to rest in knowing. God's word says if we ask he gives especially when it honors him and so the strength that you're asking him for this morning is not strength to do your own thing but to do his will God, may your strength just consume us this morning. (laughs) Because we know, God, that you sent your son Jesus and he died on a cross. He gave his life for us. And no matter how much life right right now may be a struggle, God, we know that we can have strength in you because we know that at the end of the battle, the war has already been won. And so God, help us to, to leave today in the strength of knowing who you are and being reminded of who you are. And we'll be sure to give you glory and honor and praise for who you are, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. amen. What's, what's your goal in life? Like if you were to sit down and actually say, man, at the, at the end of my life after God has numbered my days, you all know that your days are numbered, right? Yes, like you only have a certain number of days and, they, and the enemy can't take those away and you can't add any more to them. And, and, and at the end of your life, if, you, if God gave you the ability to look back and say, man, I'm really thankful because I was able to accomplish the very thing that I set out to accomplish, what would, that, what would that goal be? Because there is going to be a day where at some point we're going to come to the end of our life and we're going to have to look back if, if God gives us like not this sudden death kind of thing. You realize that happens sometimes, yeah. right? And death happens unexpectedly. And we probably all have experienced that at some point, but let's be honest, I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer this morning. Come on, y'all. It's okay, right? Um, but, but God's given us a certain number of days, and it becomes our goal to say, man, what is it that we want to accomplish? What is it that, more importantly, what is it that God wants us to accomplish at the end of our life? Because if at the end of our life, we have a nice house, and we have nice cars, and we have got plenty of money in the bank to retire with, um, and you realize that you're without Jesus, you've lost everything. And so we have to have something, let's be honest, we have to have something that we're working toward. We have to have something that becomes a goal or a purpose of ours that we, want to, that we want to accomplish that God has called us to. And I believe, if I'm really honest, I believe that the church, especially those as followers of Christ, sometimes we don't fully understand that or we don't walk in the fullness of what God has called us to. Because if you're a teacher this morning here, you have a calling. It's not just to educate a bunch of kids and give them a bunch of knowledge. Right. If, 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 you, uh, if you work in a factory, it's not just to get up in the morning and go to work and do your thing and then come home and, and, you know, eat dinner and go to bed and then get up the next morning and brush your teeth. Some of you brush your teeth. <laughs> and then go back to work, right? Because let's be honest. The rat race is not all that fun. It's really not all that fun. And if we're not walking in purpose, then sometimes if we're not careful, then we can realize that what we're living for really doesn't matter. If we're not really careful. And so, I found it really interesting. We've been, we've been talking about these Old Testament battles, and I had, I had intended to, to talk about um, 1 Samuel chapter 4 and, and, and the, uh, Saul's uh, encounter with the Amalekites, and, and God led me a little bit further in 1 Samuel chapter 14, where Jonathan actually goes up against the Philistines. I love this passage, one of my most favorite passages of all time. So, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 14, we'll be looking at the first Uh, Fifteen verses. Have you ever done anything based off of a maybe? Like, it might happen. Like, possibly. Have you you ever made decisions like, hey, I'm going to take this risk not really knowing what's on the other side? Now, so that's kind of what we're seeing here in this passage is, and I, I kind of titled this message this, it's climbing on a perhaps that God might actually do something, but not sure if God's actually going to do something. So, so I, learned, I learned this lesson about 11 years ago. Right, 11 years ago, it was my 40th birthday. A few days leading up to my 40th birthday, I asked Ashley, I I said, you know what? I think for my 40th birthday, I'd actually like to go skydiving. Not thinking that she would actually go buy me a skydiving ticket. And, and so my birthday came up. She was surprising me for my fortieth birthday. She was surprising me. I mean, I had told this, her told her this probably months prior, so I had kind of forgotten about it. My fortieth birthday came up, and she had a bunch of people. She had a bunch of people over. A couple of guys took me to play golf, and on the way back from playing golf, they put a bag over my head. <laughs> now, I'm not sure why I was so stupid to let these guys put a bag over my head. Because what what I didn't know was that Ash had invited a bunch of people over the house and it was gonna be a surprise party for my 40th, right? So I get there, they they take off the bag and all these people are there, woo, blah, blah, blah. You know, we have a great time, we eat some food. And then then I go inside and Ash comes in, she gives me a card. I'm like, oh, that's nice, she got me a card, (laughs) right? Just to be honest, I don't like cards. I think they're a waste of money. Just give me the $3, okay? I mean, cause probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the card, and I'm going to go. So, so, I open the card, and sitting in the card is this, is this ticket that she bought for me to go skydiving. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now, this is real, right? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I, I'm not sure I really wanted it. Like, those words came out of my mouth months earlier, but I'm not sure I really wanted to go skydiving. So, so the day she's like, so you're going skydiving next weekend. I'm like, oh no. Like, I got no time to prepare. I probably should, I probably should go, go, go get my affairs in order, make sure my life insurance is paid up. Um, and so, so, they take me in. Uh, we, did, we did it down at Southport. They take me in this room, and I, I promise you, there's like wood paneling on the whole room. Like, who puts wood paneling in the, you know, anymore? And so, I walk in there, and they they hand me this piece of paper, and I got to go through, down through it, and it says, you know, you might die, and you might die, and you might die, and you might die. And, might die. and that, at the end of that, I got to sign it. And then they turn this video, and it's got some old dude from like 1970, he's explaining everything, and at the very end of the video, it says, and you might die. I'm like, What? What is happening? So, so, they take me out into where that, like the air, airport hangar, and they start to put the parachute on me. They kind of walk you through these kind of things, and, and so they start to tell you, and then they say, the person that you're going to tandem jump with, um, it, it, and they started to introduce me to this person. This person comes walking out, and it's, I'm not trying to be sexist, but it's a little lady. <laughs> like, and I mean Little. Like, she's about this. She probably weighs barely 100 pounds. And I'm like, you're sticking her on my back? Right? And, and, and so, then, so, they walk me through that. I'm like, oh, man, what have I gotten myself into here? Um, and so, we go walking out to the airplane, and we go walking out of this plane. I'm like, this is the plane I got to get in? Like, it was the worst plane I've ever seen. And there's only one seat in it, and that's the pilot's. And 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 they open the door. I'm like, is this thing even? No wonder they put a parachute on me because I'm not sure this thing's even getting up in the air. And so they we get in there, and there's about four or five other guys. Like the plane's no bigger than this thing right here, right? And there's like four or five, six of us kind of sitting in this plane, like we're all stuffed in. I'm sitting right behind the pilot, and so we take off and we get up to I don't know about 8,000 feet. They open the door. I'm like, oh no. Like this whole, this, this whole time, I'm just like freaking, I'm freaking out, right? Um, so they open the door and one of the guys goes over there and he jumps out, like he jumps out <laughs> by himself. And, and then the pilot takes the plane and he kind of turns it like that and allows me to see this guy falling. I'm like, oh man, what have I gotten myself into? And then he levels out the plane. I, I promise you, I'm telling you the truth, I'm not exaggerating the story at all. And then he shuts the door and he climbs higher. I'm like, why can't I jump out at 8,000 feet? So he climbs up to about 13,000 13, feet and then he, he opens the door and that's when the instructor says, okay, get, turn around, get on your knees. So I turn around, get on my knees and this little 100 pound girl gets on my back. And she's like, now I want you to scoot over to the, to the door. I'm like, "Yeah." And, and so, I scoot over to the door, and, and the door is open, and I sit down, and I put my feet, and the door is open. 13,000 feet. All of a sudden, now I'm regretting that I just told my wife I want to skydive. And so, this girl's like on my back, and I'm not not like really sure how she's gonna do this, and before I know it, I mean, I wasn't really quite ready. She grabs the side of those doors, and she throws us out like a web puppy. I mean, I'm like, man, that girl been working out. I ain't getting in a fight with her in the back alley. She throws us out, and from 13,000 feet, To 3,000 feet in 50 seconds, and the last thing we jump out, the last thing I see is the bottom of the airplane. I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Now look. So, so let's look. Let me show you a picture. It felt like I had Anna Kate on my back. That's my daughter. and, and so, yeah, I was still happy here, right? I wasn't real sure, and at this point, I'm just hoping that the parachute's gonna open. I'm just hoping that the parachute's gonna open. And so, we fall to 3,000 3, feet, she pulls the ripcord, and then for the next three minutes, we just kinda go leisurely down, I'm like, whoo, man, I am glad that thing opened. But I can remember walking through those emotions, you do away with that, because they'll watch that, and not me. I can remember having those feelings like, this is like a maybe, right? I'm sitting here signing this piece of paper that says, you might die, you might die, you might die. Uh, I'm getting into this airplane that I'm not sure what it's going to do. Is it actually going to make it? And, and it's, this, it's this maybe moment, but I believe what God did for me in that moment, although I regret even telling my wife that I wanted to skydive. After I actually did it, I told her I'd probably do it multiple times over. I'd probably do it multiple times over because what it did was it actually, God used that experience for me to actually challenge my faith. Because how often does God ask us to do something so many times that just doesn't make sense and it requires faith? Like, and maybe that's where we start this morning. Like, your goal in life, your goal in life should be to follow Jesus and to to walk and to operate in faith in whatever He asked you to do. But my question becomes, are we actually really living that out? Like, when's the last time that you actually operated in faith and on a maybe, on a possibility, only only on a perhaps, God will actually come through for me? So, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 14, because I believe God gives us an extreme picture of this through his word. Because I find it really interesting that if you read the Bible, you see that there are people who are in relationship with God, in relationship with Jesus, who their lives operated in faith. And I'm wondering if those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, how much are we actually operating in faith? In our everyday life. So that's the challenge for this morning. First Samuel chapter 14 verse 1. Uh, actually it starts with 13 verse 23. Now a detachment of the Philistine had gone out to the pass at Micmash one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. I don't particularly encourage teenagers to not tell their father, but in this situation, it was very different. <laughs> Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Megron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. So he got up out of the camp. He kind of snuck out with his armor bearer. On, uh, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called uh, Bozaz and the other Seneh. Uh, one cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south of, toward Gibeah. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of the, those uncircumcised men. Perhaps, I've always been tr- intrigued by that word. Like, are you serious? What do you mean, perhaps? Like, there's a chance, and there's, that means that there's a chance that might not. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do, and this is what the armor bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan says, come on, then we will cross over toward them and let them see us. Now, what kind of a military strategy is that? Like, hey, let's not sneak up on them. Let's just go say, hey, guys, we're here. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up. Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. Remember, he's climbing. And he's going to battle. He's going up to fight and he's climbing. Between the two of them, there's only one sword. Climbing up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. Followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties. And the ground shook and it was a panic sent by God. Man, I love this passage. This is probably one of my most favorite passages. I think because... I so want my life to be able to be identified with Jonathan. That I'm so willing to do whatever God asked me to do that even when it doesn't make sense and even if there's a perhaps or a maybe or a possibility that I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to use my life to be able to come to the end of my life and say, hey, I didn't get it all right. I didn't get it all right. I won't get it all right. But I was willing to take steps of faith and trust that God could do things that I never imagined that he might be able to do. And maybe the challenge for us this morning is for those of us who are followers of Christ is to say, man, what kind of boldness, what kind of passion, what kind of courage, what kind of perhaps are we going to live in over the course of the rest of our life, whatever he gives us? Because we'd like to think if we're younger, we would like to think that we have a whole lot of time in front of us, but it's not true. We'd like to think if, if you're older, you think, man, I only have a few days left, but it doesn't matter because your, in, your impact can be just as great in a few days as it can be in many days. If you say, man, I want to follow after him. I want to do what he wants me to do. What you don't know is that what was happening was Saul and the, and the Israelites were scared. Saul was Jonathan's father. And Saul, if you read back into actually chapter 13, you'll see that Saul was under, a, the scripture teaches that he was under a pomegranate tree. They were sitting there and the majority of the, of the Israelite army, they were just resting because what they had done is they had taken all of their swords and spears and all those kind of things to get them sharpened. So none of the Israelite army actually had a weapon except for Jonathan. And Jonathan got really tired of just sitting around doing nothing. He believed that God wanted to do something. He saw his father doing nothing. And so, here's the, here's the point for us this morning is that Saul sat, but Jonathan trusted. Because I believe that we, it's more than just saying, hey, I, oh man, I believe in God. It's more than just saying, I believe that God wants to do this or wants to do that. It's, it's about using our lives. It's about stop going through the motions of church and start using your life to make a difference for him instead of just walking through the motions. And I believe if I'm, if, if I'm being really honest again, is that the modern day church, the church of today has become more about just kind of going through the motions than actually going out into the marketplace and living for Jesus. We've become really comfortable, and here's the deal. God never pra- promised us safe or comfortable. That's right. That's right. He never promised us safe or comfortable, and He's going. To, he, I believe he wants to drop you into places that can truly make a difference. I had this conversation with a guy not too long ago. The guy came to me, and we, we've been, we've been doing, kind of doing this journey together for quite a few years, and he doesn't go to church right now. He doesn't go to church, and he asked me, he's like, hey, hey Chris, how can, how can we help people get from the bar to the church? I'm like, that's a really good question, because let's be honest, most of us are afraid to go in the bar. Oh, it got really quiet in here real quick. There are places that we're like, oh, as Christians, we shouldn't go there. Now, I'm saying, I'm not saying, well, you got to go into the bar and get hammered. So don't totally, don't misunderstand me. But there has to be some form of a way. And I'm not saying going into the bar is right. But I'm saying being willing, I'm using as an illustration, okay? Total illustration. I'm, uh, b- because hopefully what you'll do is you'll connect with those people, maybe even outside of the bar, because most people are going into, most people, some people are going into the bar on Friday, Saturday night, because it's a coping mechanism for them. They don't know how to deal with what, got, what what's going on in their life, and so they have these coping, coping mechanisms in their life. But how do we reach the unreached? We have to have faith. We have to, have, we have to be willing to, to operate on a perhaps we have to be willing to speak. Amen. We have to be willing to speak when we know that God's telling us to say something. And too many times as Christians, I think we're way too silent because we're afraid of offending people. We're afraid of offending people. And I know I'm probably offending some of you right now. Again, don't, hit, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, oh, we should all go into the bar on Friday night and start to preach at people. And listen, (laughs) there are as many non-Christian people in the church as I believe there are at the bar. Or maybe there should be. Maybe I'm getting myself in hot water this morning. But Saul sat, Jonathan trusted. Henry Blackaby said this, you can't go with God and stay where you are. You can't go with God and stay where you are. Because how many times, listen, 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 listen. I I know sometimes I preach to the choir. Because there are quite a few of us who, who grew up in the church. And so we kind of get into these rhythms of doing church in certain ways and, and, and kind of in the same way. And if we're not really careful, we can totally miss out on a group of people who are, they want nothing to do with the church. Because listen, you, if you're sitting beside anybody less than 20 years old, they are a generation that did not grow up in church. They have friends that are growing up that have nothing to do with the church. They don't even know who Jesus is. You're like, they don't know who Jesus is in America? Absolutely. See, Saul sat, but Jonathan trusted. And how many things do we miss out on because we are afraid Right Saul sat up under the pomegranate tree, all of the Israelites were sitting just waiting, and Jonathan said, "You know what? I'm tired of just sitting here and waiting. Perhaps the Lord will op- perhaps the Lord will give us favor. perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf." And so Jonathan no longer sat. he said. To the armor bearer. Hey, let's go over there. And the armor bearer said, okay, whatever it is that you want to do, let's go do it. And he was willing to follow. Listen, maybe even the, maybe even the armor bearer is so much more than Jonathan, right? Because it was Jonathan that probably the Lord said, hey, I want you to go over there. And, and then probably the armor bearer was like, Okay, Jonathan, so he actually probably had to have more faith in what God was doing and more faith in Jonathan than Jonathan did. But he said, hey man, whatever, I'm willing to do whatever, because I think at that moment he had to cross the line and say, okay, Jonathan, I'm going to trust you and where you're going to lead, I'm going to trust that God's there. But when you say perhaps, that means it possibly might not actually work. And so, sometimes when we attempt things and they fail, it doesn't mean we're a failure either. I would rather be accused of at least attempting something out of faith than accused of doing nothing at all. It was big faith that was led by bold action. What are you willing to do in faith? You see, because faith honors God. The second thing we see is this: is that God will guide the steps of those that honor Him. You see, Jonathan said, "Okay, hey man, we're going to take the one sword that we have, and we're 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 going to go over there, and we're going to climb. We're going to climb up, right? They're climbing up this. Cliff. They're climbing up a cliff." to fight the Philistines, not a great military strategy. Then they're gonna show themselves. They've only got one sword. They're going to fight multiple people. And so, not a great military strategy, but all along the way, God guided them. It says that they, they went up through this pass between, uh, what was it, Gibeah and Mich-Masher, um, and, and so they had to navigate those. So, all along the way, God was guiding them through the process that was there. God was, God was giving them the direction. And I believe if we're willing to step in faith, then eventually God will give us the direction as we say yes to him, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's not even safe, even when it's not comfortable. That God will say yes, and he will begin to guide our steps all along the way. I can remember when Ashley and I decided to plant the church, I can remember coming to that place where we're like, God, we don't know what's on the other side, but we're going to trust you. I don't even know how to pastor a church. All I know is a bunch of teenagers. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. God, how are we going to sell our house? How are we going to move to Wilmington? How are we going to plant a church? Is anybody ever going to come? Any, all these kind of things and the problems and the things begin to build. And I'm like, I don't even know. But something at the core of me would not let it go. I was willing to trust that perhaps God would work in our behalf. And all along the way, listen to me, all along the way, God God showed up. And God showed up. And God showed up. And God showed up. You see, God uses the bold action of those that trust Him. God uses the bold action of those that trust Him. But when we take steps of faith, it must be for His glory and not for our glory. Romans eight thirty-one says, What then shall we say in response to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? So my question to you this morning is what, what's your next step? What's your next climb of faith? What's God calling you to? To be honest with you, I hope people leave the church. You're like, What? I hope that it becomes such a desire of yours that you'll follow Jesus anywhere. Because say, man, we can sit here and get comfortable. And I don't want you to sit here and get comfortable. I don't want you to just come to your life and realize, man, what I lived for, it really didn't matter. But to be able to come to your, into your life and say, man, look at the impact I can remember when Ashley's dad passed away on July 31st, like 20 years ago, right now, 20 years ago, this past July 31st, Ashley's dad went to be with Jesus. And I can remember walking through two weeks of just watching this man who was only 53 years old. And for probably a week or more, you just sit there and I'm not trying to be weird, but. He sat there just trying, it was almost like he was trying to get a breath. He had him in hospice in the house and we sat there and watched him and we sat around him and we sang praise songs. But one after another, after another, I saw these men come in who he had played golf with. Some of them maybe only a couple of times who had driven all the way from Mississippi to Indiana just so they could have 10 minutes with him before he passed away. This man come in, he'd knock on the door and he would go to bedside of of Bobby and he would stand there and he would just talk about the impact that Bobby had in his life. I only really knew Ashley Stad for just a few years. But there was one thing that I knew to be true about Bobby was that he loved Jesus. And whether he was playing golf or whether he was helping pastors and pastor's families, or whether he was talking to somebody, he was, it's really cool because he was such a soft-spoken man. It's kind of like E.F. Hutton, when he spoke, you listened. and just seeing these men come in one after another who had, who had driven for hours and hours and hours just to have a few minutes with Bobby before, before he died. And then to have gone through the funeral a few days later and, and then to know within a week or a few weeks after that because of that, There were people who even at the funeral gave their life to Christ because of the influence that he had. If our lives could maybe just even maybe for a small, in a small way, operate on a perhaps. That our goal would become to love Jesus with everything that we have, to walk by faith. And that when things don't make sense, we trust Him for what's on the other side. That God would allow you sometimes to walk into spaces that maybe you weren't even prepared for. Right? You how many times does God put us in a place that we haven't prayed for and give us an opportunity to make a difference. And the question becomes, do we shrink back or do we boldly say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done. If there's one thing that I would desire from this church more than any other in the days ahead was that we would be a body of followers of Jesus who would say we're going to do whatever it takes to reach people in our community who don't know Jesus. Listen, I'm going to get a whole lot of other things wrong. (laughs) And there'll probably be a lot of things that I'm going to say that you may not like, you may or you may not like. I try and stay as biblically accurate as I possibly can. Sometimes I love to chase squirrels. But the very reason that we're doing our staff and our leadership team and so many of the volunteers in this church do what we do is because it becomes our desire to reach people for Jesus. And if I can challenge you this morning to be that type of person. You're like, Pastor Chris, we ain't got room for the people we got. Okay. Okay. We'll figure that out. Obviously, we're going to have to figure it out anyway. But let's be a church that's willing to operate on a perhaps God will act on our behalf. Let's be a church that's accused of being a church too filled with people of faith. Let's be accused of being Jesus freaks. Man, those people, they love Jesus way too much. They're really weird. Okay, let's wear the banner. And let's wear it loud. Let's wear it proud. You see, because what I believe is this community and the world around us needs people who are willing to die for what they believe. Because bold faith honors God. Will you pray with me? Where yeah, you at? Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor Chris, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm just trying to figure that out your first bold step of faith is just to say yes to Jesus. You see, because when we say yes to Jesus, to be honest with you, do we really even know what's on the other side? Because for every single one of us, when we said yes to Jesus, He takes us through so many different paths of faith. but saying yes to Jesus is your most important thing that you can do and then saying God what do you want from me from this point forward what is your next step of bold courageous faith is it a job situation is it a friendship is it a Is it something connected to your marriage? Is it something connected to your time or your finances? God, would you show people right now what that is? we give you this moment God help us to be a people that impact all the places in our community it affects Walmart it affects the local bars and it affects local businesses it affects homes it affects dads and it affects moms, our local schools. It affects grand- grandparents. And it affects the old part of Leland. And it affects the new part of Leland. It affects all the neighborhoods. God, would you grow our faith? give you glory, and I am praised for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, and as we sing this last song, Firm Foundation, would you ask God to reveal to you what can be your next step of faith?